I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello, welcome back to VLGA Connect. It's time for another edition in our Local Leaders series. And we're heading up to the Murray today to talk with the Mayor of Campaspe Shire Council, Councillor Rob Amos. Rob, welcome. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for having me. Good to have you here and good to see you again. In uh, it, It's been a busy a busy uh, mayoral term, a busy year in Campaspe. You probably had no inkling of what was in store for you when you put your hand up for mayor, I'm guessing. Mm, it's uh, certainly been an interesting year. Um, uh, really, lots and lots of challenges, particularly for the Shire and our residents. But I've got to say, it's been, um, from my point of view as mayor, it's been a really great learning experience. Um, I've been thrown into some situations that I've had to learn really quickly, particularly as it's my first year as mayor, and um, which is, um, I love challenges and learning experiences. So from that point of view, yeah, it's been it's been good. It's your first term as a councillor as well, am I right? Mm, yep, that's correct. So um, the learning curve, I guess, has been double-fold then for you uh, to, to get to know how council works and then to, to be the leader. Mm, that's right. So, um, you know, I came on council during COVID, as a lot of other councillors have and so on, um, which was an experience in itself and, and uh, you know, dealing with the sometimes meeting and face-to-face, sometimes over um, video conferencing. And then, yeah, and then last year was looking good. And then uh, in October, we were hit with the floods. Um, and this year has been the um, recovery process. Yeah. So, so, so very much that whole recovery uh, process has happened on your watch. And we've talked to you on a, on a panel about the challenges there. And uh, you expressed some frustrations at the time about, I guess, the processes and the systems. They weren't moving quickly enough. There was a lack of clarity. How do we sit some months on in that respect? Uh, it's not exactly where it needs to be. We have had a lot of progress and there's been a lot of discussions with a lot of different people, both federally and state, who get things moving. And it's in, and again, this is a, a big learning experience for me that you know, different funding for different things. So, so one of the great things that we've got is our flood recovery hub, which is now fully funded and opened as of the 1st of July. And I sit there and I go, perhaps we should have been opening that in January or February, but anyway, it's open now, and we've we've had it. We had temporary ones happening before that, um, but that we are, that is now fully funded for the next two years, which is awesome. Um, you know, we work very closely with our neighbouring shires as well. Um, some of them are bigger than us, and some of them are smaller than us, and still trying to navigate through the uh, DRF, DRFA funding and um, getting our roads and um, assets back to where they need to be. When realistically do you think? you will be on top of all of that because there's a lot to do, isn't there? Mm, um, it will still be a long period of time. I was mm. uh, the CEO from Gunnawarashire. He talks about, um, you know, the, the, the incredibly small number of roads that they have repaired. Um, we, we are... We are not a wealthy shire by any means, but we have some, we have some capacity to and then claim back, but a lot of our smaller neighbours do not have that capacity. Uh, some of their repair works are five and six times their rate base. So mm. they just do not have that capacity. It's not as simple as it, it should be. And, we, and the conversation we have is to say, you know, that, that there needs to be more trust. There needs to be more, you know, let the councils go. We talk about the, the one we often bring up is the roads to recovery um, funding. They give us the funding and they say, Go and fix your roads. Do do what you want to do. And whereas this, there is a whole lot of requirements, and there's arguments both ways about how that should work. 
How do you feel about your capacity to respond, should there be, heaven forbid, another event? Because we keep being told that these extreme weather events are going to be more and more regular. Uh, it's a big part of what we're doing at the moment, and um, our emergency management plan is in the process of being rewritten, um, so it probably was not where it needed to be. Um, uh, the, the last big event was 11 or 12 years before, so there's a, it's a long time between events, and um, it, I, I would say that it wasn't where it needs to be, so that is that is being rewritten so that we are ready for the next event. And you know, I was at a meeting with some health professionals yesterday, and that was the conversation. And it's not necessarily about a big flood, you know, particularly with climate change, and particularly up here over summer, we're specifically talking about heat events. So, um, which, which, um, as, as we all know, are sometimes more dangerous than big fires and big floods. They, they, they can kill more people than. So it's a, it's about being prepared for those type of events, and how do we work with our local health um, agencies to, to be better prepared? Am I right that you've got a background in emergency management before you became a councillor? Yep. I well, I was, uh, I was served in the Army Reserve for ten years, and I was also a volunteer firefighter for twelve years and captain of the local fire brigade in Natuka. So uh, is that in your mind a natural progression to go from that to being a councillor or, or what was part of that decision-making process? Uh, I would say that was not in my thought process. <laughs> right. <laughs> it never even crossed my mind. Look, I, was, I think I was one of those ones that um, didn't know what council did. It wasn't, had no thought process about joining council and got a knock on the door and um, uh, it took a couple of months to make a decision, had to, I run my own business. Um, I was I was captain of the fire brigade at the time. Um, there was a whole lot of things going on, so uh, uh, I had to make that decision, and I did. And I'm very happy that I did. It was um, it's been an amazing experience for the last two and a half years. I'm really curious to know, and you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. You say you got a knock on the door. So was that a community-minded person? Was it an a, another councillor, someone that recognised the potential in you? There was a, I guess, a concerted effort, uh, which I again I knew nothing about, to perhaps make some change at council. And so there was a group of people who wanted to put some hands up, and uh, my name was obviously in some discussion somewhere, and that and put into the mix. And that's right. that's how it came about. So, and what was your initial reaction to that? As I said, I was very surprised. Um, I, I've, I would suggest through my life and my my family, uh, we're very community minded, always out and about doing stuff, you know, whether it's my wife at school, as I said, five ago, I was in the Army Reserve, but lots and lots of other things as well. And so that just, that's just normal. It's, it's not, that's nothing special. It's just norm, a normal part of life. And then to be asked to go on council was okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, so uh, it was, it was a bit, it was, it was a surprise. And um, as I said, I did have to think about it for a little while, um, but um, when I did, I made the decision that if I'm going to do this, I'll go as hard as I can. So I, I, I am interested in that thought process. So you go from being surprised, nothing you'd ever considered, to 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 thinking, yeah, okay, I'll give this a go. But what moved you to the position of of, of thinking it might be for you? It's I hate this saying, I hate it, but it seemed like a natural progression onto doing something else. Um, um, as it was. I, I, maybe it's quite a big jump, I would argue, but if someone from another organisation had come and knocked on my door and said, hey, do you want to come and be part of this? You know, maybe that would have been where I would have gone. I, I don't know the answer to that. So um, it seemed um, 
like a great opportunity, really great opportunity. A, a, a bit naive, I don't know, but um, and you know, then you got to run an election campaign. You go, I have no idea what that is, and then and then it's COVID, so you have to run an election campaign in COVID, and all those sort of things. So it was it was a bit a great challenge, really great challenge to go through that whole process as well. So, have you always been in the Campaspe region? No, I've only moved to Echuca seven years ago, so nearly eight years ago. Eight years ago at the end of this year. So, mm. so, 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 where did you come from? Well, I've actually lived all over Australia, but my previous time I lived in Croydon in Melbourne, so Maroondah Council. But I've lived in um, northern New South Wales, Moree, Darwin. Lived in an Aboriginal community off Arnhem Land for three years back in many decades ago. Uh, yeah. Lived in Robinvale, Hamilton, so all over the place. Okay. Well, well travelled. And uh, is is Campaspe it for you now? You're settled? My wife and I looked at each other one day about eight years ago and, and just one morning and said, is this the rest of our lives? I was living in Croydon and driving to Malvern every day. I've got my own business, had my office there. She was driving to like Box Hill from Croydon. It was like, is this the rest of our lives? And my daughter was in grade four, but just a daily commute just seemed like a grind. Everything was exactly the same every day. And we've and done a bit of holidaying up here and um, we came up, we said, let's go and have a look. And we came up and you know, looked at what work opportunities were and that sort of thing and um, schools and, and so on. And six weeks later, we were living here. And, and it's just, it's provided so much opportunity for my family and um, we've met so many wonderful people and, and this is even way before council. So this is just, it, it's, it has been such a fantastic move for us. It's um, it's just an incredible area. Sounds like a great advertisement to come mm. and live on the Murray in uh, you're in in Achuca or somewhere else in Campaspe. In Achuca, yeah, yeah. So uh, thinking about that time where you've you've made the decision to run for council, you've obviously had to think about a campaign uh, for the first time and the sort of change that you wanted to affect. Talk to me about what you were hoping to do and where you're at now that you're in the mayoralty. Again, I really didn't have a clue. And and I look back at some of the stuff I campaigned on, which was absolutely nothing to do with council. So it might have been big track or this. Yes. Like, Did know. you know that at the time? No. no. Yeah. And, and, and you couldn't really, I mean, you could talk to people on the phone, but you couldn't meet with people and say, hey, what do we do for a campaign and all that sort of stuff? And, mm. um, you know, I decided to do mine all electronic. You know, I made a couple, couple of core flutes, but effectively my whole campaign was on Facebook and um, did some paid advertising on that and uh, to which which I found very effective actually um, and I, I think that that is the most that is the way of the future um, you know because we, we couldn't we just weren't allowed to meet with people or anything like that so so but you know it, it, it's the thing when you're not looking to go on council and someone says go on council and then you've got a campaign on things um, so like, we need footpaths we need better roads you know that just the things that everyone yeah. all that sort of stuff but then i'd be going we need this thing down at the railway station and you know, so yeah. it was uh it was kind of funny so uh, how much of that have you been able to influence then since you, you've got a seat at the table you can make a difference it's it's quite quite you can make a difference and so what sort of you know one of my things has been around footpaths and shared shared pathways and um, we have a very old network right across our shire and um, that's been a priority for me, but also uh, our fellow count, my fellow councillors as well. So we've um, put a lot of money towards that over the last two and a half years, and continue to do so. Um, and and you learn what the problems are. You know, I, I look at I look at roads, for example, and 
this is the difference between regional and rural councils and metropolitan. So I look at our, our road network, which is over 4,000 kilometres, of which around 3,000 kilometres is um, gravel or dirt. And then I look where I came from, Maroondah Council, and they've got 480 kilometres of roads, which is all bitumen. And, yeah. you, you know, we spend about 38% of our budget on roads. They spend about nine. <laughs> so the, the, yeah. these sort of different challenges between city and, and country. Um, which is that's just part of it. It's there's no, there's no right or wrong there. It's just just a fact. And so, yeah. um, you know, we we look at those sort of things. And um, but once you get into council, you do learn where the where the things are that are working and perhaps not working. And um, you know, we I, I, when I came on council, I, I thought we needed to change um, pretty much um, our culture was the thing that needed to change. So you can build all the shiny new things and you know that makes people happy and that's fine but unless you're providing a great service to your community um then sometimes all that other stuff doesn't really matter and of course since you've come on council your previous ceo stood down you had to uh, seek a new ceo was that a, a a process that you saw yourself being involved in absolutely and the whole council was and that that was fabulous part about it and we were all on the same page so we we when we we're employing Pauline. Um, uh, we were looking for someone who was going to go out and talk to the community. So we weren't looking for someone who was great at infrastructure or great at finances or anything like that. We, what we were really after was a person who could go and wrap their arms around the community and say, "Hey, come and have a come and have a conversation with us and tell us what you can do." And Pauline was just a standout, and uh, she's been absolutely amazing. And for for a woman who um, ran for quite a period of time with no um, directors. And then we've got all them on board now, finally. So, which has been great. Uh, she, she, the, the, her ability to get out to the community and just talk to people is, is amazing. So, and uh, for some insights into that, for those watching or listening who haven't seen it yet, there's an earlier episode of Local Leaders where we talk about those challenges with uh, Pauline Gordon, the CEO there. Mm. Um, Rob, uh, as we record this this week, I noticed uh, Strathbogieshire has come out. Um, making a pretty strong statement that they would like to see money that would have been spent on the Commonwealth Games prioritised towards roads and bridges across rural and uh, regional shires. Given the comments you were just making about roads, I imagine you'd be fully in support of that position? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, that's Commonwealth Games, very disappointing, but that's, that's happened, so we need to move on from that. Um, we do want to make sure we get our fair share, you know, and, and even if they're not spending it on council roads, because, you know, the state network is intertwined with the council network and they're just not in a great great shape at the moment. Um, it's There's so much money required to repair roads and bridges, and bridges is another one. And, you know, bridges that were built 60 and 70 years ago, that um, they may still be even okay as a bridge, but they're capacities are not, not where they need to be in this day and age, heavier trucks and farm equipment and so on. So um, if you, you can, we'll never, we will never say we've got too much money for roads or bridges. I, I guess it's going to be a wicked problem making that money go around across uh, regional Victoria. What else would you like to see it spend on? So well, we're actually in the, right in the midst of doing our um, economic development and tourism strategy. And as I said, the Commonwealth Games was going to be uh, – while we didn't have any events here, we sat right in between Bendigo and Shepparton, which were both having events, which was going to be such an amazing opportunity 
for us to showcase Camp Aspey Shire, you know, we knew those towns did not have capacity for accommodation with, the, so we knew there was going to be spillover and plus we were already um, great at tourism. So we'd love to see some of that money directed towards um, tourism and events for us uh, so that we can continue that journey. Um, housing, obviously, we know there's money going towards housing. Um, we know there's acute housing shortages everywhere, um, but we, we want to at least get some of that pie as well. So um, to get more, mm. we, we need social and affordable housing. There's no doubt about that, but we also just need normal housing as well. So um, we, how we can get our planning scheme to um, encourage more of that. And we're looking at what we can do as a shire to encourage whatever that looks like um, over the next few years. Are you across the Operation Sand and recommendations, which uh, everyone's expecting, uh, if adopted, will have some significant impacts on the planning responsibilities or powers of councils? A, a bit. So I read the reports and I watched um, your uh, your podcast the other mm. the other day and so on. So um, look, some of it I think is okay. Um, some of it I think goes too far. Um, uh, some of it I actually don't think is good for democracy. Um, and um, we have to be very careful when bureaucrats um, write these reports that um, democracy is really important. And some of it I thought took a little bit of power away from the elected officials, which we have to be really careful about because that's what democracy is, and mm. um, uh, which is really something that I'm really passionate about. So, um, so. Let's look and see what happens. Um, it's it's hard to guess where it's going to be. It's just come out as recommendations, and we'll see what the government comes back with, and um, we will put our um, submissions into say say what we believe should, they should look like. Yes, we're we're all watching and and waiting with interest. Mm. Uh, let's go back to tourism. You talked about that before, and you've you've had a bit of media coverage recently about uh, the loss of the visitor information centre and what I thought was some rather conflicting messages in the press coverage, and even uh, the local MP took a bit of a whack at you about that. Do you want to set the record straight on what's actually happening there? Yeah, so visitor information services. Um... We we are investing more money in tourism than we ever had. We've just employed a tourism development manager. Um, our Port of Chuka area had literally millions of plus dollars put into it. Um, and visitor information, physical, the way visitor servicing is done, we think needs to change. And um, uh, we have a visitor information centre that services on the on the stats that we get told around four four to five percent of our um, uh, visitors. And it costs literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to run between our council and the Moama at Murray River Council across the river. I, I use the example that um, we recently had our Winter Blues Festival, which is our which is the second biggest blues festival in Australia, in uh, over a weekend, two or three weekends ago. And you know, I think someone said, "Oh, there was five or six hundred people that visited the visitor centre over that weekend." And you go, "That's really that's really good. That's that's really busy." But then you go, "There was twenty five thousand visitors that came to." The town, twin towns over that weekend. How are we servicing the other twenty four thousand five hundred mm. visitors? And and you know that that's that's the way we need to look at things. And um, the world is w w the world is moving towards digital. Um, there will always be the need for a physical presence. We are, we fully accept that, and that there will there will have to be some physical president presence and telephone and so on because there are some people that won't use digital, but the majority of people are using digital these days and and. If we try and still service the really small minority, we're going to miss out on on and um, that that really 
the majority who who do who want to um, be serviced digitally. I, I use the example. My father has, who is nearly eighty, has just got back from overseas, five weeks in um, England and a bit of travel in Europe. He booked the whole thing online before he went. So, wow. um, so, so that's that's the world we're moving towards. The the world is changing, but it's so hard to affect some change, isn't it? When people are so wedded to the status quo. I I, I remember someone saying once uh, a public figure that when did it become uh, impossible to to have a, a debate about a new idea because people just want to whack it down the minute you say something, don't they? You must feel that in your public role. I do. But what I think what one thing I've really learned, um, Chris, is that um, you're a, you are elected to govern for everyone. And um, it's it, it's it can be you can get into the trap of listening to just the very small number of very loud voices, and um, you. It's not saying you do not listen to them. In fact, I've got a meeting with today with someone about that visitor centre, which I'll have exactly the same conversation with. But um, we we are elected to make decisions for everyone, and um, what is the best? Will some people not be happy with that? Of course they will. And um, but I have, as I said, I have learnt that you know. Those that are opposed to things uh, will get on Facebook and ring you up and all that sort of thing, and that's fine. And I, I accept every phone call, and I, if people want a meeting, I'll, I'll sit down with them and talk to them. I have no problems at all. But I also get the people who come up to me and give me a bit of a nudge and say, hey, Rob, keep going. We're happy with what you're doing. And, and so they do it very quietly, and they, they do it in the background and say, um, you have to govern for everyone, not just the, the loud minority. And it's not saying the loud minority is not sometimes right. That that can be the case, but they're not always right. Do you read all the social media stuff? I wouldn't say I read it all. Um, I we don't get a lot of nasty stuff anyway, so it's not it's not a major problem. Uh, and again, a wise man once told me, when you are listening to someone say something about you, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, look at that person and say, do I respect that person? And if I do, I will value that your opinion. If I have no respect for you, then I couldn't care less what you say. Words to live by. <laughs> so is this, uh, I ask everyone this uh, question, Rob, is being a councillor and potentially mayor again, is this a long-term thing for you now? Is it in the blood? I love it. I absolutely love it. It's um, I love being a councillor. And since I've been elected mayor last year, I love it even more. I love what I do. It's very, very busy, um, particularly, I think, this year with our floods recovery stuff. Absolutely love it. And, um, you know, I, I talk about some, I, I, I've been to Canberra and sat in some offices of some very, very senior ministers and discussing stuff about advocacy for flood, but a whole lot, a whole lot of other, other stuff. And this afternoon, I'm heading out to Kyabram and I'm meeting with the under-12 um, Kyabram Local Athletics Club. And I love that just as much. And yeah. you sit down with those kids and, you know, they've, they've got a grant for some new hurdles for their club that, that the Sky has given them. And that's such an awesome thing to do as well. So this is the expanse of what you get to do in your job. It's, it's just fabulous. So uh, I'm assuming then you'll be running again next year. And I'm wondering what yep. your election campaign is going to look like compared to the last one. I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. Oh, you haven't thought that far ahead. Look, you know, but to be perfectly honest, um, it'll be mostly digital again. It's it's the, it's the way of the world, you know. People, you know, one thing someone told me, someone told me when you are going to be elected, and this was someone who had been elected into federal government yeah. and um, said to me, uh, you know, 
when you're going to an election campaign, you, he said to me, this is a Facebook, you need to do two or three. And I thought he was going to say Facebook posts a week. And he said, per day. <laughs> and he said, the bottom line is they need to know who you are and they need to think you're a pretty good person. And, and if you can, if, if they know your name and they um, think, you're, think you're going to do right things for their community, then they will, uh, you're, you're a pretty long way down the track. So good luck. Thank with you. all of that and uh, and what's to come between now and then, of course, because you've got the rest of your mayoral term and a lot of challenges, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. uh, to deal with. Rob, it's been great to have you on Local Leaders. Thanks so much for your time and, uh, and, and for the insights. No worries, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. That's Councillor Rob Amos, the Mayor of Campaspe Shire Council, our guest today on Local Leaders from VLGA Connect. 